So, um, yeah, we are continuing in this series called Who is Jesus? And we've been doing this investigative process, looking at the different uh, aspects and details of Jesus' life so as to better understand who he is as the Savior of the world. Today, I want to look at Jesus and his unwavering agenda, a very important part of his ministry here on earth that became even more evident on that first Palm Sunday 2,000 years ago. In fact, if you could somehow travel back in time to 33 AD, to that point in time on that first Palm Sunday, you would see Jesus riding in, we'll just call it a parade, all right, a parade given in his honor. And you would see, based on what George read just a moment ago from John 12, you'd see people lining the street leading into Jerusalem. They'd be laying their cloaks down on the ground. They're waving the palm branches like all of you were doing. And they would be shouting these words that we find in John 12, verse 11, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the King of Israel. So that you would see this parade, but it's not going to be a parade like what we have today. There aren't any floats or marching bands or politicians waving, you know, that kind of thing. It's just Jesus. And if you were to travel back into time to see this parade of just Jesus, my guess is that you would have at least two questions. The first question would be, why are they having this parade in the first place? You ever wonder that? I mean, honestly, Jesus had been to Jerusalem before. Many times, they never threw a parade for him then, so why now? What was different? Well, if you look in John 11, you'll see that a very dear friend of Jesus, a guy by the name of Lazarus, had become very ill. In fact, by the time that Jesus arrived at Bethany, which is where Lazarus lived, Lazarus had died. Actually, in John 11:17, it says this, on his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Now that phrase, four days, is critical because for many Jews back then, there was this custom, this belief that after a person died, their spirit just kind of hovered over the body, the dead body, for like three days, and then on the fourth day, it departed. So, you know, after, you know, four days, there's, there's no coming back. There's no chance, not that there was even after day two, but there was no chance anymore. They're dead. They're dead, dead. And Jesus shows up, of course, on day four, and yet it still doesn't dissuade him from having the people roll away the stone. And the next thing everybody, the crowd that had gathered there sees is Lazarus walking out of the tomb alive. It was an amazing miracle. And as you can imagine, word spread like wildfire. In fact, in John 12, verse 17, it says, the crowd that was with Jesus when he called Lazarus from the tomb and raised him from the dead continued to spread the word. They were telling everybody and many people because they had heard that Jesus had given this miraculous sign went out to meet him. So, you know, just so you know, uh, Bethany is about two miles from Jerusalem. It's like from here to I-71, that interchange off of uh, Royalton Road. And, and so it wasn't that far. And as people are spreading word and hearing about this, and then you add to that the, the hundreds of thousands of people who are flooding Jerusalem to celebrate the Passover festival, well, it's easy to see how a large crowd was going to be gathered to greet Jesus as he's riding into town. But again, we still haven't answered that question. Why, have we? Why are they doing this? Why are they throwing this parade now? And it's because in Jesus, they saw the power of the Messiah. In Jesus, they saw the power of God. 
Okay, in Jesus, they believed that, that, you know, because he's God, who else, of course, can bring back to life somebody who's been dead for four days? So in Jesus, they see this Messiah that they have been waiting for thousands and thousands of years. And, and so, yeah, they, you know, they believe he is it. And so they throw this celebration because they believe he's the Messiah. And, and that's wonderful. You know, they see Jesus, he's this rock star, but that brings up the second question, and it's this. Why did the people then reject Jesus and call for his death five days later? If Jesus is all that, seriously, what happened? Yeah, I mean, what did Jesus do wrong that moved, that caused him to go from, you know, parade hero to crucified scum in less than a week? What did he do? And I think the answer isn't so much what he did as what he didn't do. Remember, they see in Jesus the power of the Messiah and, and somebody who can, and by that I mean somebody who can save them and save their nation. Remember the word that Laura shared with the kids just a moment ago that the crowd was shouting out. They were shouting out, what word? Say it. Hosanna. Hosanna means save us now. You know what they were talking about? It wasn't them, their spiritual selves. They were talking about being saved from the Roman oppressors. That was their agenda for Jesus. That's what they wanted. It's not what Jesus had in mind for his agenda. He did not come to be a political savior to bring them physical freedom. He did not come for a throne. He came for a cross. And so Just to convey his unwavering agenda, he rode into town on a donkey. And again, Laura pointed that little animal out. Why did Jesus choose a donkey? Certainly to fulfill the words of Zechariah 9, which says, See, your king comes to you righteous and having salvation, gentle and riding on a donkey. So Jesus chooses a donkey on purpose because it fulfills a prophecy that was made 500 years earlier. But the second reason is because donkeys, along with being a beast of burden and an animal of the poor, they were also used for ceremonial purposes, for enacting treaties. And so a donkey was also a symbol, a symbol certainly of humility, but also of peace. A horse, in stark contrast, was a symbol of war and power and military strength. Jesus didn't want that. Remember, he says in Matthew 20, 28, the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. And once the crowd put two and two together, once they realized Jesus was going to remain unwavering in his agenda, they reject him. They reject him. Because they realized that Jesus was not going to be a physical ruler or a conquering king for them. No, Jesus remained unwavering in his agenda to be our suffering servant, our spiritual savior. And they did not want that. And so, yes, they traded Jesus for a convicted murderer, Barabbas. And they cried out for his crucifixion a couple days later. Just crazy. They were so caught up in their agenda, they missed the Messiah they waited so long to see. Of course, the crowd wasn't the only one to make that mistake. You heard that in the video clip. There were some of Jesus' closest followers who also, if you will, had their own agenda when it came to Jesus. Take, for example, Peter. Peter is Jesus' right-hand man. He was bold. He was impulsive. He He was tough. 
But look at this. In Mark 8, it says, Jesus then began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, chief priests, and teachers of the law, and that he must be killed and after three days rise again. All right, in the next, immediately next verse, Peter takes Jesus aside. He says, whoa, Jesus, whoa, bud, this is just yeah, not going to happen. I'm not going to let that happen to you, okay? Nobody's going to get through me. And Jesus then has to rebuke Peter, right? And he says these relatively famous words or infamous words. In verse 33, he says, get behind me, Satan. You do not have in mind the things of God, but the things of man. In other words, Peter, it is going to happen, whether you like it or not. And, because, and you don't like it because right now you are focused on your agenda, not mine. And you would think, wouldn't you, that after that kind of a scolding, Peter would learn his lesson. And he would say, oh, you're right, Jesus. I'm sorry. Who am I to get in your way? Your will be done. But just a couple of days later, Jesus is arrested in the Garden of Gethsemane. And look at what it says here in John 18. Simon Peter, who had a sword, drew it and struck the high priest's servant, cutting off his ear. Now, personally, I don't think Peter was aiming for that particular servant. He certainly wasn't aiming for the guy's right ear. He was a fisherman, for crying out loud, right? But he had an agenda, didn't he? He wanted a lifetime with Jesus. And don't get me wrong, you know, Peter had this deep love for Jesus, but it had a selfish bend to it, to the point where you could say, you know, Peter's agenda was like, you know, I'm not going to let anyone or anything get, take my Jesus, my Jesus away from me. You see that? Another follower, close follower of Jesus, who I think you could argue had an agenda of his own, was this guy, Judas. Yeah, like all the Jews, Judas, I'm sure, did not like the Romans. And like the crowd who had just witnessed this amazing miracle of Lazarus' resurrection, Judas knew full well that Jesus had the power to overthrow the hated Roman government. So this is pure speculation on my part. But could it have been that maybe Judas thought Jesus was dragging his feet a little bit too much and exerting his authority and say needed, I don't know, a little push? Could it have been that Judas was thinking, you know, if I can get Jesus trapped or put in a corner where he has to defend himself, he will. He'll use his power, and then we will get what we want, right? Again, pure speculation, nothing that backs that up. But you could kind of sense, I think, Judas had an agenda as well, right? He wanted a political liberator. But when Jesus refused to defend himself and use his power, and he allowed himself to be arrested and then beaten to a pulp and then nailed to a cross and then crucified, well, Judas was overwhelmed with grief, right? And then he went out and hung himself. Thankfully, even though Judas, Peter, and the crowd all made horrible mistakes when it came to their agenda, Jesus remained unwavering in his agenda for this world. And as a result, there is a big warning and a great truth that I'd like to share with you. First, the big warning. Don't selfishly see Jesus as a means to your own ends. Okay, don't live with the, the mindset that Jesus is there for you so that you can use him however you want so that you can, you know, he can meet all your needs and, and, and so that you can get what you want out of life. 
Don't, don't live with that mindset because if you do and Jesus doesn't come through for you, he doesn't meet the needs that you think he should be meeting for you at that particular time, guess what? Then you start thinking, oh yeah, well, Jesus obviously can't be trusted. Obviously, Jesus doesn't care about me. Obviously, he's not powerful enough to meet that need. And you, just, you don't want that running through your mind or else... You, <laughs> It won't be long before you end up rejecting Jesus, just like the crowd did 2,000 years ago. Now, Jesus loves you. He died for you. Right? He, he, he did it so to wash away your sin, to free you from guilt, so as to be in fellowship with you. That's why he came to this earth, refusing to be distracted or swayed by a large crowd or some of his closest followers. Jesus remained focused on his agenda, unwavering all the way to the cross. Thanks be to God. And, and he did it. He did it because he wants a deep, personal, intimate relationship with each and every one of you, each and every one of you watching me online right now. He wants you to grow in your love for him. He wants you in response to his gracious sacrifice to be a reflection of him out there. Reflection of his his patience, his peace, his kindness, his joy, his love, his forgiveness, everything. To be a reflection of Jesus out there. That's what he wants. Paul reminds us in 1 Corinthians 10, whatever you do, Whatever you do, do it all to the glory of God. Now, if you're sitting here or if you're watching online right now and you're thinking, <laughs> oh, I haven't been doing that. I haven't been doing too much reflecting lately. I certainly haven't been doing much to build closer, a closer relationship with Jesus either. I mean, I, you know, we showed up for church on Palm Sunday. That's good. But, you know, there's other Sundays where I probably could have and I didn't. And maybe there's times when I should have prayed and I didn't or read the Bible. I haven't been reading the Bible. I just want you to understand, I get that. More than anything, it's not too late to change. It's not too late to change. I say that because Judas made a mistake and he hung himself. Most of the crowd back then made a mistake. I don't know what happened to them. Peter made a mistake and he repented, right? And he received grace and forgiveness and spent the rest of his life committed to building Christ's kingdom. And, 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 and accomplishing God's purpose and agenda. So I just want you to understand, even if you're like feeling, oh, yeah, oh boy, I'm in a messed up state, it's not too late to say, Jesus, I'm sorry. I'm sorry I got off track. Forgive me. Because now I realize, I, I realize that life isn't about my desires and agenda, but by about fulfilling your desires and agenda for me. And that leads me to the great truth. This is truly a great truth. And it's this, Jesus accomplished his agenda for you. He didn't just remain unwavering. He did it. He completed the work. And that's huge. It's huge. Think about it. What if, let's just play this what if game. What if, what if Jesus had caved in to the desires of the crowd back then? What if he had said, you're right, I'm not going to die. I'm going to use my power to, to get rid of these dirty, stinking Romans. What if he had done that? Well, if Jesus had wavered with his agenda, there would have been etern- external, I'm sorry, external and temporary freedom. 
right? They would have been freed from the oppressive Roman government that was occupying their land, and they would have enjoyed all kinds of freedoms, you know, for the rest of the remaining days of their life on earth. They would have enjoyed external and temporary freedoms. But Jesus didn't waver. And because Jesus didn't waver, there is internal and eternal freedom. So in other words, because Jesus died and rose again, you can now be free from, from those things that, that really enslave you. Not political governments, but the brokenness and the pain of sin that has its hold on your life. From those harmful desires that you can't seem to break free from on your own. Okay, he, he, Because of Jesus... You have freedom from the guilt of your past mistakes and failures, freedom from the fear of being separated from Jesus forever in hell. It's a good thing that Jesus remained unwavering in his agenda for you because had he caved in to what the people wanted back then, he wouldn't be able to give you the freedom that you need today. Still, people get it wrong. (laughs) People, they'll say, yeah, but you know, I know what will really fulfill me. I know what's best, all right? It's if I get this house that I've always wanted or this relationship that I've always wanted or this job that I've always wanted or this this scholarship or these grades, those are, that's it for me. That's where it's all going on. That's that's what's gonna make me happy. And those things can contribute to your happiness, but here's what's it. It's a relationship with Jesus through faith. Seriously. It's like, oh yeah, I've heard that before. Seriously, a relationship with Jesus Christ through faith. Why? Because when you have a relationship with Jesus through faith, then you are able to enjoy life in all of its fullness here and now. Now, doesn't mean you're not gonna have your share of challenges or trials or pain, but it does mean that in the midst of all of that, you're gonna have all of these blessings flowing into your life because of Jesus and his unwavering agenda. For example, you can enjoy peace, right? The peace of knowing that there is forgiving power available for everything you've ever done wrong and ever will do wrong. Peace of knowing that no matter what hurricane force storm you may be facing, you've got Jesus who's gonna come alongside of you and help you walk right through it with his power. Peace knowing that because Jesus is your personal savior, your eternity with Jesus in heaven is a done deal. It's a sure thing. Along with that, because Jesus remained unwavering in his agenda, you can experience joy. Joy. Happiness? Not always. Joy, yes, at all times, in all situations. And here's why. Happiness is dependent on your circumstances. But joy, you can have joy in spite of your circumstances. And, and because of Jesus, you can find joy knowing that through the waters of baptism, the Spirit's power, you are adopted into God's family. The joy of knowing that there is nothing that's going to ever separate you from God's precious love for you in Jesus. Third, because, Jesus and if, because of Jesus and his unwavering agenda, you also have hope. You can live in hope. Hope knowing that even though your world may be crashing down on you and your life is falling apart, the hope of knowing that God is working in those disasters, working things out for your good and for his glory. And most importantly, the hope of knowing that because you are a forgiven and redeemed child of God, you have the sure and certain hope that when this life here on earth ends, the eternal life that really counts begins. And all because of Jesus all because of Jesus and his unwavering agenda for you. That's who 
Jesus is. So let me challenge you this week. Let me challenge you, first of all, to connect with God and read the the Palm Sunday story in John 12. Read through it. It'll take you two, three minutes. But as you read it, realize, yeah, Jesus could have caved in and gone any number of different ways with the desires of the crowd, but he didn't, right? He didn't. He remained unwavering in his agenda for you. Give thanks for that. Second, share with someone one of the blessings that you enjoy because of Jesus. Maybe it's one of those three we just talked about, right? The peace, joy, hope. There's other blessings. There's love, his love, his forgiveness. Find somebody this week. It could be a fellow brother and sister in Christ, but just share with them, yeah, I experienced this, boom. And, and, and it's all because of Jesus and his unwavering agenda. Do that this week. And then the third thing is to love others by using the invite card this Easter, okay? Many of you received one of these when you came in. Find that person that you know is outside of a relationship with Jesus who may not have a church home or not be worshiping anywhere and invite them to come with you next Sunday so that they too can celebrate, so they can learn but also celebrate who Jesus really is. All right, let's pray. Lord Jesus, grip each person in this place with the fact that you love them, that they matter to you, that you proved it by your unwavering agenda that took you all the way to the cross so that we might experience a deep personal relationship with you now and forever. May we never forget that. Lord Jesus, thank you because thank you for being our suffering servant, our loving Savior. I pray that you would put your hand of blessing upon this holy week as we all focus on what you have done for us. We love you, Jesus, and we pray this in your holy and mighty name. And all God's people said, amen. Amen.